Thank you, thank you. Grab a seat. Pumped to be here. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Jeff. Love you so much, and uh, what a privilege to be here. I love this university, and uh, used to attend, and we're going to Luke chapter 5 in just a second, so if you brought your Bible, that's where we're headed, but just want to say huge thanks to the staff and the leadership here. So grateful for all you do. Jeff, your investment into my life. I still look up to you as a man of God, somebody full of integrity, a worshiper on and off the platform, and that's who I aspire to be as well, a worshiper of the one true God, and so just grateful for you, and Josh, uh, grateful for your leadership and helping uh, foster an atmosphere of worship, uh, a spiritual place, and uh, in an academic place, and uh, also just want to uh, honor my father and the president, uh, interim president. Dad, I love you, and it's an honor to stand on your shoulders, and I was just thinking in worship, when I, when I hear the voice of God in my life, and in my heart, and my head, when it's like the voice of God where it's like, dude, you are made for this, you know, in tough times, you are made for this, push harder, go after it, step up to the plate, you got this, and also sometimes a voice of correction, like, hey, you're out of bounds, hey, you got you to get your heart right. You got to get your head right. You need to go apologize. You know, the Lord, when the Lord speaks to me, uh, internally, it is, it's very much like the voice of my father. And that I'm so grateful for you that uh, you were the dad you were supposed to be to help get me on the path following Jesus. And my, my aim is to hit the bullseye and to raise our children uh, to hit the bullseye as well, and so I honor you and mom. Love you so much. Are you grateful for your president and the faculty and the staff leadership? Awesome. One last highlight. I got my wife here. Kales, I love you. Thanks for being here. Mother of our four children. We got two daughters, eight and five, and we got twin boys that are two and a half, and our house is more wild than yours. It's a promise. Uh, love you, and if, if, you, if you're part of River Valley, uh, and some of our staff are here as well, maybe just raise your hand, I, I love our church, I love what we get to be a part of, the mission that we're on, thanks for coming, thanks for being here, students, we love you, Tom, I see you back there, fist pumping, praise God, uh, alright, here we go, in just a moment, I, I love that song, All My Heart, All My Soul, is it All I Own, the lyrics, All I Own, you can have it all, and that's what we're preaching about today, All My Heart. All my soul, all I own, you can have it all. I'm talking about being on mission. And I know we're at a Bible school. You're like, I'm already on mission. I'm doing this thing. Uh, let me just tell you, one of my sweet mates uh, fell, off the, fell off the way. Somebody that I shared a room with, like, lost it. And I just watched a video of his testimony. He's now a graduate of Teen Challenge. He's been totally set free. It took a decade later. Totally life change, transformation. But what I'm saying is, even at a Bible school, I think this is a word for every single person. Raise your hand if you're a ministry major. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you're not a ministry major. Every person in here is called to be on mission for the kingdom of God. Whether you're going into ministry or whether you're going into the marketplace, you are called to be on mission for God. Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Famous story if you grew up in church. And uh, maybe you don't like it, but I'm reading from the Passion. Sorry. 
Some people are like, it's a little flowery for me. It's not a real translation. Okay, everybody calm down. Just a fresh perspective. Uh, verse 1. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to the crowds on the shore of Lake Galilee. There was a vast multitude of people pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge with the fishermen nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and asked him, let me use your boat. I love that he climbed in first and then said, let me use your boat. Push it off the, sh off the shore a distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowds. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Peter, now row out to deep water and cast your nets and you're going to have a great catch. Master, Peter replied, We've come back, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see, again, famous story, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish, so much that their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners in the other boat for help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish until their boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt down at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, Master, for I'm a sinful man. Interesting response. Simon Peter, the other fishermen, including his fishing partners, Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee were awestruck over the miracle catch of fish. Jesus answered, do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. From now on, you will catch men for salvation. You're going to be no longer a fisherman, but a fisher of men. After pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything. They left everything. All my heart, all my soul, all I own, you can have it all. They left everything behind and followed Jesus. The title of this message is On Mission. And what we just read is a formula throughout this life. You're going to have tons of distraction, tons of temptation through thick and thin, highs and lows that wants, wants to pull you away from the mission you were created for. And you were created to be on mission. So this is a formula. How do I stay on mission, whether in ministry or the marketplace? Let's pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Just a quick moment in chapel can change a life. A quick moment in chapel can totally transform the trajectory of one student here. And if this message is for one student, praise God. But I believe it's for every single person, including me. Help us stay on mission every single day for the thing that you have called and created us to accomplish, Lord. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Just a quick side note before we jump in. This is totally, totally separate from the message. Here's an encouragement to you as a former student. I, I just want to encourage you while you're here to get in a local church. I know it seems basic, but be a part of serving and building a local church. It doesn't have to be River Valley, although we'll welcome you. There are amazing churches all over the Twin Cities that are incredible, and they all have their own unique. We have the same call to reach the world, but there's something unique on each and every church. Get in a Bible-believing church while you're in school. And while you're here, too, respond to altar calls. Get a mentor or a pastor in your life that's going to speak into your life. I remember a tough conversation right at Elliott Park, Jeff Deal. 
having a tough conversation with me because he was a mentor and, a, and a, like a, a pastoral voice in my life, helping me be, get back on the road. I wasn't the greatest college student, and I'm grateful for voices, and you need that voice in your life. If you've never been water baptized, get water baptized. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm just giving you some, just like things, like go after it while you're here in school. Side note. I was uh, uh, taking, Kaylee and I were taking our boys out to a brand new park in our neighborhood that has a, a basketball hoop. I didn't grow up playing basketball. I'm not a baller. You'll never catch me in basketball shoes. Not going to happen. I grew up playing hockey. I would just feel like a poser if I was wearing basketball shoes. Just not going to happen. But this brand new park has a basketball hoop. And I was like, our, you know, our boys, especially Roger, he's a big guy, uh, you know, like, let's get a little basketball and, let, you know, have something to do. And you know, shopping for basketballs, never done it in my whole life, uh, but you go, you go to the store, and you're, like, looking at the different basketballs. They got, didn't know they had different sizes. I mean, they got kids' sizes, but then it's, like, this is for, like, the elite. This is men's ball. This is women's ball. This is, this is the youth. It's different sizes, and then different types, you know. Like, this gets really, you know, nitty-gritty, but different, like, grips, and, and uh, you know, like, some are sticky, and some are, you know, like, like I, I just didn't know they had all these different options, and some of the balls say this. They're made for indoor and outdoor use. I'm thinking, like, didn't, didn't know that there was an indoor. I'm being genuine. I did not. Maybe this is basic for you. I just didn't know that they had indoor balls. They had outdoor balls. And then the ball that I was like, well, you never know when we're going to be inside wanting to play. Let's, you know, like, let's get the, let's get the one that's, like, most versatile. We're going to play with an indoor and an outdoor ball. It's good for every use. You know, you don't want to buy an outdoor ball and then catch yourself in an indoor situation. So we're going to get the most versatile, something that's indoor and outdoor. I love that Jesus is preaching. He's preaching to the crowds. There's other scripture where Jesus is in the temple and he's preaching. Can I tell you that our gospel is an indoor and an outdoor gospel? It works in the church and it works in the streets. It works in the sanctuary. And it works on the corner. That wherever you go, if you're going into ministry, the gospel works in the ministry. If you're going into the marketplace, the gospel works in the marketplace. Anybody believe that no matter where you go, the gospel works? It says crowds came upon Jesus. Jesus is preaching to the crowds. I love that our God is attractive. He's attractive. If you're representing Jesus well, it's an attractive gospel. Now, it's confrontational, and it'll transform your life, totally change your plans. But it's attractive. And our gospel is indoor and outdoor. John Wesley says this, you've got nothing to do but save souls. This is not just for the pastors. You've got nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. You can have it all. I'm going to be spent in this work. And go not only to those in need, but to those who need you the most. It's not your business just to be preaching so many times or to take care of this or to take care of that. He's saying, like, to just be so worried and caught up in all the little things and, like, my schedule and I, and, and no, you know, does anybody see me? Does anybody see my gift? What is it? Like, you, we got souls to save and let's not get caught up in the what about me, what about me. He says, but save as many souls as you can to bring as many sinners as you possibly can to repentance. The Great Commission, we all know it from Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew chapter 10 says this, 7 and 8. As you go, preach this message. As you go, it's not an option. 
As you go, be a kids pastor, youth pastor, worship pastor, lead pastor, church planter. As you go into the marketplace, into whatever field, as you go, you're going to go. But here's what you should do as you go. Preach the message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to other. Are you on mission for the kingdom of God? Verse 16, now remember, it is I who sends you out. Who calls you into the marketplace? Jesus. Who calls you into the ministry? Jesus. As you go, preach. Go after souls. Try to reach as many people as possible to make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. Why? Not because your professor has called you into ministry. Not because your professor has called you into the marketplace. Not because it's what your dad did and your grandpa did and your great grandpa did. Not because it's the family business. But because Jesus himself is calling you. It's I who sends you out, Jesus said. Even though you feel vulnerable as lambs, going into a pack of wolves, be as shrewd as snakes, yet harmless as doves. I can't tell you how many times in ministry I fell in over my head, unequipped. Not, I don't have the right answer. I don't know what I'm doing here. Many, many pastoral situations where you're dealing with, pe- you're, you're invited into people's worst days. I, I don't know, I, like, I don't know the answer. I don't have the wisdom. And I rely on the Lord. It's awesome that Jesus uses the unlikely. He uses the unlikely. And you might feel unlikely in your life. I just, I wasn't, I don't have the right pedigree. Wasn't raised in the right family. I just gave my life to the Lord last year. Everybody around me seems to be like church kids. You know, like they just grew up. I'm, I'm behind everybody else. I'm, I, I'm just, you know, this message must be for somebody else because I, I just totally feel in over my head. Like I'm, an, I, I'm just a normal person. Well, how awesome is it that this whole story is about a couple fishermen who go change the world. We're talking about them 2,000 years later. Using the unlikely, I remember working uh, my first job ever, best coffee shop in the world is Starbucks. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Favorite job I've ever had, you know, and I currently work at River Valley. I'm just saying, Starbucks is amazing. But let me tell you why. Because I was a bad employee. But I had an amazing boss. I had an amazing leader that believed in me. When I was 16 years old, and I was supposed to open the coffee shop at 5 a.m., but I had stayed up till 2.30, and then I'm oversleeping my alarm, and he's waiting in the parking lot. You need two people to open the store, and Kirk is in his bed sleeping because I was irresponsible, and, and it happened multiple times. And I remember driving after my mom would wake me up because they'd get a phone call from my manager. I mean, that's embarrassing. My mom's got to wake me up, and then, I, like, you're supposed to open the store. you got to get going. And I'm driving there like my knees are shaking, like, like I overslept, I'm, I'm going to lose my job, I'm gonna get, you know, it's like a big deal. And I remember his name's Bruce Pennington. It's not that he ignored what was wrong, but he had, he had uh, such grace, such forgiveness, and a clear expectation that this should not happen again. And I remember how he treated me, not only affirming the gifts that I had, but also in correction. I knew that I was cared for, and I knew that I was loved by him. 
And I was just receiving like that leadership from him. And he was a godly man, loved the Lord. And I'm just learning like, okay, this is, this is a form of leadership. I always had my parents and I, that, you know, you, you have that view of, of who your parents are and how they're leading the family. But in the marketplace, this is my first time, my first real job, you know, I, I was a custodial technician at the church when I was 13. That's a little side note. Janitor. I like the title custodial technician. Anyways, I was working at Starbucks, and can I tell you, Bruce Pennington next year won Starbucks Manager of the Year for the entire country. So what I'm learning at 17 years old now, that the way that I've been treated by a man of God and a leader, even in correction, I'm learning that that just won him Starbucks Manager of the Year. Bruce is a nobody. You, nobody here would know who he is unless you're from Bismarck on the south side. Nobody would know. He's unlikely. But God used him in a really powerful way, not just to change my life, but to win Starbucks Manager's Year. Incredible. God wants to use you even though you feel unlikely. Let's go a little faster here. Here's the formula uh, for being on God's mission. If you want to write this down, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, the nobody, so that he would shame the somebody. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent so that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. Three quick things. The formula. The formula. I want to be on mission. And, and don't write it off. I'm at, I'm, I'm at Bible school. I'm, a, I'm on mission. Listen, there's going to be so many things that come at you in this life that want to knock you off that mission. Here's the first thing. We read in the story, Jesus climbed in the boat. Simon Peter asked him, let me use this boat. Step number one, invest your means in the ministry. And I don't just mean in church ministry. I mean everywhere you go, you're called to be a minister of reconciliation, reconciling people. This is delegated authority from Jesus himself. That was his mission, delegated to us. We're going to reconcile people back to the Father. He's going to use us to do that. So your ministry, everywhere you go, is ministry. And are you open-handed with your life, your time, your talent, and your treasure? Everywhere you go, are you going to invest it in the ministry? Or are you just about accumulating as much means as possible for your own plan, for your own glory, for your own retirement plan, for your own family, for whatever it may be? Or, or, or are you saying, God, all I have, all I own is yours. I'm going to invest my means in the ministry. He says, hey, Peter, can I use your boat? And Peter goes, yep, I'm open-handed. You can use my boat. You're already in it, Jesus. You already gave your life to Jesus. Everything less than that is easy. And means is a part of that. Time, talent, and treasure. Treasure, that's a part of that. It's easy. I've already given you my entire life. So yes, you can use my boat. You can use my house. You can use my family. You can use my time. You can use my energy. You've got everything. You have everything. I've already given you my life. And to say, God, you have it again. I love that Moses, uh, Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? And he's got this staff. And that staff would turn the Nile River into blood. And that staff would then part the Red Sea, and by the power of God, it was the means. God, you can have this staff. You've got my life. You can have the staff. Everybody has something in their hand. Lisa Bevere says this, Samson had a donkey jawbone to slay a thousand men. Ruth had grain gleaned from the field. David had his sling and stones to defeat the mighty Philistine champion. The unnamed boy had his five loaves, two fish. The woman had an alabaster jar filled with oil to anoint Jesus. We all have something in our hands. As we release what's in our hands, he releases what's in his. 
Peter gives up his boat and God fills his net with fish to the point of the nets are breaking and the boats are sinking. When you release what's in your hand, God releases what's in his. Are you willing to invest your means, all of it, time, talent, and treasure for ministry? As you begin to build a family and as you begin to build a career, is your home a place where you can host people, a small group, where you can mentor couples, where you can have somebody living in an extra room? Like, are you willing to use your place for ministry? Your finances, are you a tither? Are you a generous giver? Are you investing in a missions to reach the 42% of the world that's never heard about the name of Jesus? Are you, are you saying, I'm going to be generous with my finances? I'm going to go above and beyond. God, you, ha- you can have it all so you can for sure have my finance. Vehicles, business, gifts, talents. You can take inventory of your own life. Are you willing to invest your means into kingdom purposes in the ministry? Number two is expect your ministry, when you start living open-handed, expect that ministry to turn into miracles. So you want to live an adventurous life? Live open-handed. God, you've got it all. And you've got it all tomorrow. You've got it all the next day. Whatever you want from me, you've got it. It's yours. I'm in. And it's sacrificial giving. It's, it's when you don't feel it. That's when grit shows up. That's when, when purpose shows up. That's when it's like, God, you've got it. It's easy to give away what you don't even notice. But God, you've got the things that I do notice. You've got the most important things. Why we dedicate our children to the Lord. God, you've got my child. I want your plan for their life, not my plan. I dedicate my children to you. I give you my life. I give you everything. And when you're living like that, expect it to turn into miracles. Peter offers his boat to Jesus, and all of a sudden, overflowing with fish. I love that Jesus says, will you go out again? And here's something, you know, just, just for something where you go, man, I've, I've tried to live a certain way. And it's just not, it's not happening. It's not coming to pass. I've got this dream. I just don't think, it's just not reality. I've got too many people telling me, like, you got to think, you got to think logically. You got to think reality. You got to, you know, all, and, and I'm grateful for great voices in your life and mentors and all that. But did God put a dream in your heart that you're allowing to die? Peter, he was like, I was out all night. I've already tried. I've already tried. But at your word, I'll go out again. And this is for you. Don't let the God dreams in your heart die. At the word of Jesus, will you go out again and say, God, I'm going to trust you. And watch, as you go out again, if God doesn't do the miraculous in your life. Point number three is understand that God miracles. God miracles will begin to change your mission. It's 1138. I'm going to ask the keys to come. We're going to close in prayer in here in just a second. But just an opportunity to respond. Are you willing that as you invest your means in a ministry, as you start to see the miracle working power of God in your life, because you're living open-handed, are you willing to allow God to totally change your mission? Peter's mission was to be a fisherman. But this interaction with Jesus, he leaves a fisher of men. And you're at this school, and you think you've got your whole life planned out. And this might be for a couple people. That you thought you were going into ministry, but he's going to shift the mission, and he's actually anointed you to go into the marketplace. And you're going to identify that. You know, I had, I, had, I had this dream to be a youth pastor because it's what all my friends are doing. Maybe that's, maybe that's true. I'm not trying, I, I don't want you to doubt the call. I'm just saying, 
It might be for somebody. Peter's like, I was made to be a fisherman. It's what my dad did, what my grandpa did. This is like, we're fishermen. This is the, the town. The whole town is, fi- and Jesus, this interaction with Jesus, he goes, no, you are made to be a fisher of men. So maybe you came here because you thought you were going into ministry, but you leave. And I've got friends that thought they were going into ministry, but were really called and anointed to be in the marketplace. And I, I, I've got friends that are insanely influential in their sphere in the marketplace, how they lead, how they lead people to the Lord, how they lead small groups in their home. It's not that they're doing less ministry. It's just, it's just a different form. They're seeing people saved. They're seeing lives totally changed. They're earning uh, an amazing income that allows them to be generous and to operate in a gift of giving. And vice versa, think about this. You might have come here to North Central and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing marketing because that... I think that's going to, I think I'm going to make a lot of money. And it's like, I'm doing software sales. That's what I'm doing. Uh, do you have software? I don't know. I'm, I'm doing nursing. This is, what I'm, this is what I'm called to do. And you have this plan to go into the marketplace, but God's going to totally shift it. And you're going to hear his voice, and he might totally change your mission. Nope. You were called to be a kid's pastor. You were called to plant a church. You were called to use that business mindset on the mission field, and you're actually called to be a missionary. An encounter with Jesus has the potential to totally change your mission. Lord, I thank you for this time together. I'm grateful for your word. We want to be people that are on mission for your kingdom, on mission for your glory every single day of our lives. I pray that you'd speak to students right now, that where they are closed-handed, they would begin to open their hand with their means, with their time, talent, and treasure. Lord, that as they open their hands and, and, and give to you in ministry to impact the kingdom of God, Lord, do a miracle in their life. I pray for miracles in this room, people that need provision, people that need healing, people that want their family saved, people that have a passion uh, and a desperation to see you show up in their life. Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle. Lord, and anybody here that needs an adjustment of the trajectory that's on their life. They thought they were called to do one thing, but really, you're going to totally change it, Lord. I pray that you speak to their heart right now. Bless this school. Bless this administration. Bless this faculty. Bless these students right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen.